Welcome to Evangel Church, where we believe in seeing changed lives changing lives. How many here know what life hacks are? Let me just see a show of hands. You know what I'm talking about. I caught some of people in the foyer after service like, Pastor, you're talking about like hacking, like, like computer program hacking? No, I'm not talking about li- uh, those kind of life hacks. I'm talking about things that we have uh, all around us in our lives that can make our lives a lot easier. You know, there's one way of seeing things where we can see all the problems, right? Where we can see all the things that are going wrong and all the things that we can't do. But sometimes, if you think outside the box, you might find a better way of doing something that you do every single day in your life. And when someone discovers one of those things, they call it a life hack. And this is the kind of term that just has gotten popular, and you'll see it spreading uh, all over social media. In fact, go on to uh, YouTube, not now, please, but after service. Um, And as you take a look there, you'll see just type life hacks, and you'll find uh, hours and hours of things that uh, that you can look at to make your life easier. But uh, that might be a waste of time for you. So uh, what we'll do is we'll introduce you to a few Um, on different weeks, but most importantly, we're going to come to God's Word, because I believe if there is a life hack of all life hacks, uh, it happened and we celebrated last Sunday morning that the resurrection of Jesus Christ is the greatest life hack. What it did is it took a broken life, a life that was weighed down by sin and destined to death, and because Jesus rose from the dead, he gave us a brand new life. Here's what we're going to be saying about this series, the power of the resurrection. It's all about the power of the resurrection of Jesus being applied to our lives today. Because the resurrection of Jesus isn't just about a day, Easter, that we celebrate. The resurrection is about a new way of life that Jesus has made possible for us as his followers. And we need to experience the power of his resurrection and he's promised that we can every single day. And so we're going to take a look at God's word. But before we do that, we're going to dive into um, a life hack. And so can I show you something? All right, I'm going to show you something that's going to help you with your phone. How many of you know that our phones... My wife texted me. She's at home right now. I love you, dear. I got your text. I told her I was praying for her. She's been under the weather this, uh, this uh, weekend. But we have our phone, and our phone kind of rules our life. And we watch things on our phone. We listen to music, listen to worship music. Uh, we read things, read books on our phone now. Um, and so if you can make this phone uh, operate a little bit more effectively, it's a great thing, right? So one of the things is the speaker of the phone isn't very loud. Do you know what I'm talking about? So if you're listening across the room, you maybe can't hear it if, if you walk away from it. And so how many of you, let me see a show of hands, you bought some kind of Bluetooth speaker, some kind of portable speaker. Anyone have something like this? You probably spent some money on it. Some of you, you spent more money than you're, worth, you're willing to talk about because you're not using it that much, right? Now, I could have saved you the entire price of this. Do you know how? With this. Anyone know what this is? It's the empty toilet paper roll. But you had no idea that when you take your phone and you stick it in here, it becomes a speaker. And it echoes. Anyone know what I'm talking about? So you got that. That's a good one, right? Come on, let's hear for that. It's a good life hack. Now, you want to take it to another step further? How many of you, like, want to... You have the phone sitting there, but you want to read, but you need to be hands-free. You want to do a recipe or something. You want to watch something, and you just wish it had a stand. How many of you, like, wish you had a stand for your phone? You know what I'm talking about? Okay. I'm going to go old school on somebody here. You ready? Pull out one of these. A cassette tape. You know what I'm talking about? Some of you are like, what is this ancient artifact that you hold in your hand? Did Jesus have one of those? Yes. So you take that. You open it up. Place it just like that. Come on, somebody. You ready? 
add this on top, you got a whole entertainment center. <laughs> Boom, right there. I'm watching, listening, surround sound. So you get what I'm talking about when I'm talking about life hacks? That's what we're talking about. Now, let me tell you this. So what we're going to talk about in God's words today puts this to shame. Because it's the life hack of all. You're like, oh, I'm pastor. You're getting serious now? I want to laugh again. This was good. I felt like the tone changed. I should have let it go for a couple more minutes. So we're talking about life hacks. There are things that can make our lives a lot easier. And this isn't the first like, time that these things have shown up. They've been all around in, in history. People have been finding better ways to live. I discovered something over the last couple of weeks that has been uh, mind-boggling. I was reminded of it even between services, talking with Pastor Rick. Um, back in the early 1800s, late 1700s, early 1800s, the can was invented. The can, like the can that we have soup in and and, and all of our perishable uh, items that we have. Uh, we have so many cans on our shelves. But did you know something? That the can opener wasn't invented for 48 years after the can. 48 years it took them to, to develop a can opener. So the question you would be asking yourself is, how were people living and eating and accessing the can before that? I have no idea. There are certain things that you can look back over history. You could say, how... how, how how could you even live without that? How could you eat? How could you do the things that you do? It makes it so much easier. Why are you doing it so much more, more difficult? That's what you would have looked at, you know, 30 years after the can's invented. People trying to get into this can and trying to figure it out. A can opener is invented. Now we have the electric can opener. Now we have all kinds of inventions now that can be used. But the same is true when we come to our relationship with God. Because the resurrection of Jesus isn't just about a day. It's about a new way of life. And have we stepped into that new life? Have we experiencing that new life? Because I think what we do sometimes is we make a decision to follow Jesus. We come into a life-changing relationship with him, but our lives haven't quite changed yet. You know why? Because we're still doing things and still thinking and still acting the way we were before we came to Jesus. You didn't realize that when you came to Jesus and when you decided to follow him, it wasn't just about your future being secure in heaven. It's about your today being transformed into his image, and that you have power available today to live differently, to live differently, and there's a better way to live. It's through the power of Christ in your life and through you that can change everything. And so we're going to take a look at this from God's word today. And so if you open with me to 2 Peter, we're going to be in the book of 2 Peter chapter 1. In 2 Peter chapter 1, we're going to take a look at this. And it's a new way for us to think and a new way for us to decide and make choices in our lives. Lord Jesus, I pray that you speak to us today from the power of your word. Lord, I pray that during this time that this would be eye-opening for someone, that we would see it, Lord, the way that you desire for us to see your word and see your truth. And that, Lord God, we desire for our lives to be changed. Lord, we thank you that you've risen, Lord God, not just for our future, but for our present, for today. And Lord, so help us. Not to waste anything, Lord God, but to make full use of what you've given us and the opportunities that we have in our lives. Lord, I pray for the decisions that are in front of us every single day. And I pray that you give us the power to decide, Lord God, the story that our life will tell from this moment forward. In your name, amen. Amen. Every single day we're making choices, aren't we, church? Every single day we have choices that are in front of us. And, and something I... I've been struck with recently is the idea that 
when we get to the end of our lives, there's a story that's going to be told from every single one of us. I, I normally say it like this when I'm doing a, a funeral service for someone that knew the Lord or even someone that didn't know the Lord. When you look back on someone's life, you have these two dates. You have the date they were born and the date that they ended their life here on earth. And then there's just this tiny dash that separates it. But that dash tells such a big story, that little tiny element there is a huge story that can span decades and story after story, but it speaks of who the person was and the things that they've accomplished. And one of the things that I've become so keenly aware of as I've been a part of many funeral services, many homegoings for those that love the Lord and walk with the Lord, as you stand in a place where someone's looking back on life, on the life of someone they loved, when you reach the end of your life and someone's talking about you, Here's what happens. You'll normally share about what they did, where they grew up, where they moved to, who was in their family, what they did for a career and for a living, what their passions and their hobbies are. But then you'll give an opportunity for people to come and share if they have something they'd like to share about them. But during that time, no one's talking about what they did. They're always talking about who they were. They're always talking not about their career, but about their character about their integrity, about the things that made them who they were. And I think, church, so often we get so swept up and we spend so much of our time focusing on what we're doing. But have we taken time to really think about this question? Lord, who am I becoming? What kind of person am I becoming? Am I becoming someone that honors you with their life? Am I becoming someone that, Lord God, chooses to follow you and to honor you and to walk with you and to help others see you? Who am I becoming? Because I want you to know at the end of your life, the resounding testimony of your life is not where you punched a time card every single day for 40 years. The, the lasting testimony of your life is who you were because you knew Jesus and what happened in your life and through your life because of that. And so we have to make sure that we take time not just to focus on what we do because we can become consumed with that, but to ask the question, Lord, who am I becoming? And am I becoming the person that you've called and that you've created me to be? Because I want to experience the life that you have for me, God. I want to experience a life that's greater than the life that I had. I want to experience the newness of what you have. And so the, the story that your life is going to tell one day, it's really determined by the choices, right, and the decisions we're making today. So the choices and decisions you make today determine the stories you're going to tell tomorrow. Another way of saying it is that your choices today are the headlines of tomorrow. Will that be a good headline? Will that be a bad headline? It's determined by our choices every single day. Sometimes you'll look back over someone's life, someone that's done something incredible for God, that's had incredible testimony of how God's used them and moved in their lives. And you'll think, man, they must have made a couple of really big decisions that were really good decisions. But you know what? When you look closer, you find out it's not that at all. It's that they've made thousands upon thousands of small decisions to honor God in private. Decisions that maybe no one would ever know. They'd never show up on the radar. But it's all of those decisions that have ultimately told their story in the end. Some of us are looking for the one big thing, the one big choice, the one big decision that will change our lives forever. The thing that's coming down the road, the job opportunity, the career, whatever that is. I want to encourage you. 
as we walk through this series, and as we look at God's word today, take your eyes off all those things and put your eyes on today and say, Lord, what can I do to honor you today with whatever decisions in front of me, big or small? Some of you are deciding, should I take this job or that? Some of you, should I go to this school or that school or no school and take time off? Should I, should I be a um, you know, person that's going to go into this relationship? Should I stay single? What should I do? I want to tell you, whatever it is that you do, focus first on who you're going to be. And say, am I going to be a person that honors God today with my choices? Am I going to be someone that, that puts Christ first in my life? Am I going to be someone that looks to him and walks with him? See, when we focus on that, that tells a story. And, and we have the power today to decide that story. We have the power today by the choices we make to decide the story that our life will tell in the end. And so when we come to 2 Peter chapter 1, we come to Peter writing to a group of believers. They're believers who have become complacent. There's some that have become spiritually stalled. There were some false teachers that have been floating around and they've been distorting God's word and saying things that God's word doesn't say. And these false teachers have gotten dangerous ideas into the minds of these people. So the people that Peter's writing to in the book of First and Second Peter, they're, they're mixed up in some ways. Some of them, they're spiritually stalled out and, you know, they've lost their passion. They've lost their joy. They've lost the joy of their salvation. They're just going through the motions. I might be describing someone today. You're just going through the motions. You're here, but your heart feels far from God. That's where they were, some of them. And on top of that, there was persecution that was all around them. For them, it was growing more and more uncomfortable for them to make choices that honored God in their lives. And so they came to points where they had to think about compromising their integrity, compromising their character, doing things that they knew wouldn't please the heart of God because they were trying to please the people around them and the rulers around them and the, the bosses around them and, and, and the people that were applying pressure to them from every angle. So it's, it's amazing in God's word that these are the timeless truths of God because that describes what I think some of you are going through today. You're in situations, you're in relationships, you're, you're in jobs and careers where maybe there's pressure for you to compromise in different areas of your life to compromise areas that you know you need to be honoring God in and you can feel that pressure and so this is a word that comes in season it's a word that that comes not just to a group of people 2,000 years ago but to us today and this word is one that I believe God's going to speak to us from and it helps us see how our story can be different how we have the power to choose and decide our story beginning today and why we have that power so let's look here at what God's word has to say to us Today, Lord, give us ears to hear. Here's what 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 says. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Verse 4, these, through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. This is a potent portion of God's word. This is weighty, and it's incredible to see what God's showing us here. And what Peter's saying to those believers and what God's saying to us today from his word is that because of Jesus, because of the resurrection of Jesus, what we celebrated last Sunday on Easter, it's not just about a day. But it's about a new way of life that's available to us. It's about the power of life that's available to us. It says his divine power has given us everything we need. 
I want you to know something today. What you need is there. You have what you need if you have Jesus. You have everything you need if you have Jesus. Some of you are like, well, that doesn't feel it because I feel like I need this and I need that and I need that and I don't have that right now. I want you to know you have everything you need. There's some things that we want and we don't have them yet, but I want you to know you have everything you need to sustain your life. Not for, some of you, you know, what we want are, are different than, than the things that we're talking about here. Because he says, his divine power has given you everything you need for what? Does it say a comfortable life? Some of you wish it did. You're ready to white out this portion of the scripture and add in a word. Don't do that. It's dangerous. It doesn't say for a comfortable life. It doesn't just say for my kind of life. It says for a godly life. And another another. Uh, phrase that's used in some of the translations is everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him, through our knowledge of Jesus. His divine power has given us everything we need to do what? To fulfill the life and the story that he has for us. To become who Jesus called and created us to be. We have everything we need to fulfill that in Christ. All of his promises are yes and they're amen. It says we have everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. As we take a look at these words, life and godliness or godly life. You know, some of us, we get caught up thinking that when we come to Jesus and we experience what we celebrated last Easter, the, the life, when Jesus rose from the grave, that that just means for us someday we'll have a new life after this life is over, that we, our life will go on now and we'll be in eternity in heaven with God. And sometimes we, we reduce down the gospel message to the idea that it's just about us getting into heaven one day. It's not just about the life to come. It's about a transformed life today, a changed life, that you and I, we are not who we used to be, that Jesus, the power of the gospel in us, the power of Christ in us has changed us. And it has the power to change us, not into who we were, but into who Christ desires for us to be. And that's an ongoing, lifelong journey. And so when we think about this, what is godliness or what is a godly life? It's a life that honors God between the time I come to Christ and the time I go to be with him. And that Christ has already given me everything I need for it. Although there are harsh realities, there's sinfulness in this world, there's brokenness, we struggle with sin. Through our relationship with Christ, we can be warriors and conquerors. That Christ can give us victory in any and every area through his power, through his strength, through his spirit at work in us. This is what Paul says. He says, I'm convinced of all these things. In all things, we are more than conquerors in Christ and through Christ. We are conquerors because of what Christ done. His power is at work in us and through us. And so there's three things that we need to recognize from this passage to hold to, to understand so that we can really make the choices that are going to honor God and have the story one day that will be one that changes everything. The first thing we have to do is we have to recognize God's power at work. We have to recognize God's power, that if we have Jesus, we have everything we need. We have everything we need in him. It says that his divine power has given us all that we need for life and godliness. Everything. And what everything means, everything. And I think sometimes what you and I can do is we can underestimate the power of God in our lives, the power of God that's available to us. And if we underestimate that, you know what happens? We live a life Lesson, we're, we're sitting there holding the can. We don't realize the ultimate can opener has come into our lives. We realize that Jesus has come and changed everything. And for some of you today, you've been walking around with a can and no ability to open it. You've been walking around in such a way that 
that if you could just see things the way that Jesus sees them, he says, life can be a lot easier. You're carrying some things that my strength can be carrying. You can lean into my strength for some of the things that you're walking through. Why are you struggling with that when I'm here and I'm in you and my, my power can be made perfect in your weakness? Would you just recognize that I'm here and that I'm for you, not against you? Like, like God's just, his desire is for us just to be awakened to the fact that his power is real. His power is life-changing. His power can do what no one could ever imagine. I want someone to know today he has the power to heal you, to raise you up, to provide for you, to do things you could never imagine. But some of you are not willing to recognize that power that's available to you that he's there and he's for you. Do you know why? Because this is what, I think it's Pascal said this, a philosopher. He said, God created man in his image and then man returned the favor. And we created God in our own image. What happens is that God ends up being as powerful as we are and as we think the people around us are. And so we start to project our picture of who God is based on the people around us. And we start to think, well, yes, but, but, He's powerful, but maybe not powerful enough. He's powerful for that, but maybe not powerful for me. Like, he has given us everything we need for a godly life. He has given us everything we need for freedom and victory. He's given us what we need to serve him and to honor him with our lives. That power is real. And I want you to know that power is closer than you think. The Apostle Paul says in Romans chapter 8, look what he says. Look what he says and think about your own life if you belong to Jesus. He says, but if Christ is in you. Is Christ in anyone today? A few of you. Even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because his Spirit lives in you. His spirit lives in you. The same power that rose Jesus from the grave is alive in you. The same power that raised him up. Come on, he can raise up your broken life as well. He can set you, because some of you, he's done it. Some of you, you're, you're wallowing and you're worrying and you're doubting. But I want you to know, recognize his power is there. And today, if you feel weak, you make yourself a prime candidate to receive God's power. Because I know God's power is perfected in our weaknesses. It's not when you feel strong that God's power is on display. It's when you're at your weakest that God shines through. So we got to recognize his power. It's available to us as his children. It's a part of our inheritance as the children of God because of the resurrection of Jesus from the grave. Number two, we have to utilize God's promises. We must utilize God's promises. Power unrecognized is good for nothing. It's power that has potential. Potential when it comes to power isn't anything. Potential energy isn't the same as, as realized energy and power. It's not about potential. It's about realizing that. It's not just about God making a promise, but it's about tapping into and standing on that promise. And so I think what we do as well, and one of the things that get in our way is we underutilize the promises of God. We don't tap into the promises of God. And when we tap into the promises of God, when we utilize the power, we recognize his power, we utilize his promises, meaning we stand on them, something happens. His power then comes. We realize it in our lives. It touches us. It does things. It changes circumstances. And so we have to utilize God's promises. His word is full of his promises. 
And I think what happens at times is doubt comes in, fear comes in, anxiety comes in. And when that happens, we start to think more of our circumstances and less of his promises. Because we start to think that whatever we're dealing with is final. Whatever we're dealing with is fatal. Whatever we're dealing with, he doesn't have the power to change it. Or he's not interested in changing it. And I want you to know, I'm not going to make, don't look at my promises. Don't look at the things that I'll say that will happen in your life. But when you come to God's word and he says it, and he makes it as a promise to his children or to his people, I want you to know something. You can take that to the bank every single day. Because he's a God who fulfills every one of his promises. He's not a man that he would ever lie. Look what it says in Psalm 145, 13. The Lord is faithful to to all his promises and loving towards all he has made. I want you to know, God is not one that, uh, that, that, that would fall out on his promises, that is unable to fulfill. He always comes through. It's part of him being faithful. That's what it means that he's faithful. He's faithful to the end. He fulfills his promises. In Joshua chapter 23, we were talking about Joshua as we were ending our last series. Joshua saw a lot in his day. He saw the children of Israel in the wilderness. He saw them cross over the Jordan. He saw the walls of Jericho fall. He saw great victories and great defeats. He saw a lot in his lifetime. And as he reached the end of his life in Joshua 23, verse 14, here's what he says. Now I am about to go the way of all the earth. But he said, but you know with all your heart and soul that not one of all the good promises the Lord your God gave you has ever failed. Every promise has been fulfilled. Not one has failed. That's the power of God's promises. Scripture shows us again and again and again that God is a God who is faithful to fulfill his promises. But I want, I want us to know something that we don't do. We don't often utilize. We don't often stand on his promises. I want to tell you, if you're not in God's word, guess what? You're not realizing or even recognizing his promises. This is the way that God allows for us to know him, as we know him through his word. We can know him. He's left us his word as a revelation for us to know him, for us to be guided in our lives, and his word is full of promises. And so for some of us, we can't even utilize the promises if we don't see them, if we don't recognize them, if we're not standing on them. And so when that happens, it's something that, that can be just like a resource that's in front of us, something, power that's available to us, things that are available, and instead, we choose to do it the old way. We choose to go about it the old way. But we're not who we used to be. We're a new creation in Christ. Because we're sons and daughters of him now, we come to our Father, we come to his word, we seek him daily, and when we do, we come upon his promises. And when we come upon his promises and we begin to realize them, we begin to recognize them, and we begin to stand on them, what happens? Those promises in our lives then become fulfilled. We experience him proven faithful in those areas. Now, there's a famous evangelist named D.L. Moody. Has anyone heard of him? D.L. Moody, incredible evangelist, incredible preacher. He had a discipline in his life, in his private life, as he read God's word. As he would read through scripture in the columns, he would put two letters when he came across a passage that, that had one of God's promises attached to it. And as he came to it, he would write the word T, and that meant that it was tested. He tested it. He applied it to his life. He stood on it. And then he'd write a P next to it when God proved himself faithful in that area. And his scripture, his Bible was just full of in the columns of these areas where he came, T, waited, saw it, P, proven. 
And he just, his, his life was just full of going through God's word and just seeing God's promise being fulfilled in his life. It's like he just was checking, all right, God, not that he was trying to prove God wrong, but he was saying, Lord, this is your word, this is your promise. I stand on it, and look, you've proven yourself faithful again. What would it look like in our lives as we've read God's word, as we spent time in his word daily? We come, Lord, I'm just standing on that promise today. Lord God, I'm standing on it today. And then God proves himself faithful because I know he will because he's a faithful God. So we see this happening, that, that we recognize his power and then we utilize his promises and we stand on them and experience the fulfillment of those very promises. I'm going to invite Pastor Rick to come up at this time. And as we come to these two things, this becomes the basis for so many talks. And some of you, maybe you've even gotten a little bit uncomfortable as you heard me preaching because like, I kind of heard guys talk and go to God's word and say, I have all the power I need and I got everything I need. I'm going to get a boat and, and, you know, business and I'm going to be healthy and I'm going to have this and I'm going to have that. And I just need to just, you know, name it and I have to claim it and I, and I have it. And, that, and that's it. That settles it. But I want to warn us at this point because there's a third part. If we don't recognize and we don't utilize and we don't do this, we just run an incredible risk in our lives. Things can get so messy so fast. And to do that, I just want to, I was reminded as I was praying for, for the word today and asking God just to, to speak to us. You know, I went right to, and I didn't have time to put it in my, my, my notes or in my slides for you, but I just felt God drop this in my, in my heart, in my spirit, before I got up in our first service to share. It just reminded me of what happened in the book of Acts. You have God moving in power. You have the fulfillment of his promises where the Holy Spirit's being poured out. You have God's power on display as the followers of Jesus are going around. Even their shadows have the power to heal people. People are being set free from demons are being healed in the streets. God's power is on display. His promises are being fulfilled. We just have this beautiful working. This is, this is God's vision and picture for what the church should be for all time, that we should be a place where God's power is on display, where his promises are being fulfilled. But in the midst of that, it's okay, buddy. But in the midst of those promises, in the midst of that power, there's one man that shows up. His name is Simon the Sorcerer. Simon the Sorcerer, he sees the power. He sees God's promise. He can recognize that God's on display. And he goes with some money to the apostles. He said, let me buy some of this power. Let me have some of this for myself. And it's there that he's rebuked. He says, don't ever put God to the test. Don't ever do that. Don't ever come in that way because God won't honor that heart. And so it brings us to the third place because we don't want to be in this place where we would miss it. Where we say, yes, yeah, all about God's power. It's all about his promises. But there's something to us that also must be checked and tested. And it's our motives. And so we must, yes, recognize God's power. We must utilize God's promises, but we must test our motives. You must test and check the motives of our heart because what God has given us power for isn't just a comfortable life. It's a godly life. It isn't just to fulfill our story. It's for his story to be written through our lives. His promises are there not just to make us comfortable, but to help us fulfill the calling he has for us. 
God isn't doing it just to form us into some person and some ideal candidate for a job. He wants to form a character in you that will tell a story about you and who you are in him. His power and his promises are there so that you will have a life-changing relationship with him. What we often do is we want to utilize God's power and his promises for our own motives that are selfish. But we want to surrender all that to Jesus. Are you with me, church? So we do this, Lord. We say, Lord, test my, my motives. Test my heart. Proverbs 16, 2 says, you may think that something is right, but God judges your motives. There's a prayer that, that I've prayed, and, and I would encourage you to pray it as well. It comes directly from God's word in Psalm 139, verses 23 through 24. Here's what it says. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. And point out anything in me that offends you, God. And lead me along the path of everlasting life. Lord, point out anything in me that offends you. I'm not worried if it, it maybe, you know, there are things in our hearts and our lives, they don't offend us. That's why we keep doing them. But they offend the heart of God. And they may not even offend the person around you. But if they offend God, then you surrender them at his feet. You say, Lord, check me. Know me. I want you to know something. Motives matter to the heart of God. It's almost impossible to get to the right place in life with the wrong motives. It's almost impossible because your motives are something that matters so much to the heart of God. And for you to really get down and understand the motives, it requires digging. It requires going beneath the surface because sometimes the reason we think we're doing something, wanting something, longing for something, experiencing a challenge, we normally only go down one level. Well, why do I have this because of this? So this must be the problem. No, there's a root problem that's deeper and deeper and deeper. Are you with me? So here's what I want us to do. One of the little life hacks you can do in your own life when it comes to this area of testing your motives is to ask five whys in a row. Ask five whys in a row about whatever it is that you're dealing with and watch how you get below the surface on it. You ready? One of them is this. We can't pay our bills. We're going into debt constantly. That's the problem. Why? You ready? Why? First why? Because I'm spending more than I make. Why? Because getting new things makes me feel special. Why? Because I don't feel special enough without those new things. Why? Because I don't get enough recognition from the people around me in my life. Why? Because I'm looking to them for my validation instead of God. Do you see what I'm saying, church? When we go through and we begin to dive deeper, we begin to see, Lord, what's really going? That's the motive. That's the root of the problem there. But we're going to keep getting upset about our job or this. or Lord, check my motives. What's really going on here? Why do I long for that? When that comes forward, full circle, we begin to see how God changes us inside and out. I want to give you some homework. Is it okay if I give you homework today from God's Word that we could carry out and continue to apply this and come back next week? We're going to hit on some incredibly practical areas. I just know this series has the potential to change our lives together and change our story as we apply God's Word. So here's the homework. I want you to take your journal. If you have a journal, if you don't have one, get one. Get a piece of paper. And I want you to begin to, to think about your story. Pray and think about it for a few moments. And I want you to write What's the story you want told about you at the end of your life? Who's the person you desire to become with God's help and his grace?
And I don't want you to think as much about what you do and just the accumulation, but you know what I'm talking about, who you are. What kind of husband? What kind of father, mother? What kind of spouse? What, what kind of person? How did others see you? How did others encounter you? What kind of person did they encounter when they encountered you? Like, what's the story and the resounding testimony of your life? What's your prayer that it would be one day? Because you have the power to choose that, that story. Lord, this is what, by your grace, this is what I desire to be, and this is who I desire to be for you. And just write that down, what you'd once said about you at the end of your life. And as you surrender that to the Lord and keep it, or tuck it away in your Bible somewhere, and through prayer, just reflect on that. But today you're going to get a card. So from week to week, we're going to put something in your hand that's just a practical tool. And this is kind of a, a life hack, not for, you know, not for this, but for this, right? It's for your life, for your heart. And this is a great one. This actually comes from a book. Is there anyone here in the house today? Would you just tell me, is there anyone here, you're about to make a very big decision and you just need, you know, you need God's guidance at this pivotal place right now. I saw your hand go up right there. So I want you to, Josh, would you just hand her that? There she has glasses right there. That book's for you. This book is Divine Direction. It's by Craig Rochelle, who's a pastor of Life Church. This is about seven choices and decisions that will change your life. And so um, this is a great book. You should check it out on Amazon and pick it up. But what you're getting today is you're going to get a card. And this card has the seven chapters or the seven decisions that will change your life as we make them. And I want to, uh, everyone's going to receive you. You can take as many copies of this as you'd like on your way out today. Because we want to decide our story. We want it to be a better story. Some of us, based on the choices we're making today, our story isn't going to be pretty down the road, but we want a story that honors God, leaves a lasting legacy in our lives. And so there are seven questions you can ask. These are seven decisions. Think about the homework that you'd have of writing out, Lord, what's my story? Lord, what will that look like? And then you ask these seven questions. What do I need to start? There's something in your life you may need to begin to do, even today. Make the decision to do it. Because the best decision is the next one's going to help you become the person that God created you to be. There's something, there's a new discipline God's going to put in somebody's life. Maybe it's reading God's word, standing on his promises, something new that God's calling you to begin. Second question, what do I need to stop? And ask God give you the strength to stop something that's going to hinder your story. There are things in our lives, there are icebergs right now, and we're going full steam ahead. But if we hit that, it's going to, it's going to hinder our story. So what needs to stop today? Put that before the Lord. Where do I need to stay? Some of you, there's pressure for you to go. There's something pushing you, and you just want to run away from something. But I want you to know the greatest act of faith for somebody today is for you to remain faithful where God has planted you right now. To look and remain faithful, 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 right where he's put you. For some of you, though, you've grown complacent where you are. And you have to ask the question, where do I need to go? There's somewhere that God has given you the grace, you need the faith to step out of your comfort zone. Is to go even if it's easier to stay. So where do I need to go? Who do I need to serve? If we're going to become like Jesus, we're not going to get to that place. Our story will not be complete if we don't look like Jesus at the end. And Jesus said, I've not come to be served, but to serve. And so you have to ask the question, Lord, who am I called to serve at this hour? Who do I need to serve? It could be the person next to you. It could be someone else. It could be somewhere else. It could be here. here. But who do I need to serve? Serving isn't going to become something we do. It's servants are who we are called to be. Servants. 
Who do I need to connect with? There are people that God is going to bring into your life or may already have around you. And that's the godly influence and relationship that God's going to use in your life to get you to the place that he's calling you to be. You may be one friendship away from changing your destiny, church. And where do I need to trust God more? Sometimes we can't see God's hand, but we can always trust his heart, even if it's challenging. And so these are the seven questions. You got it? You're going to receive that as you go. Think about your story. Wrestle with this, Lord. Who am I becoming? Who are you calling and creating me to be? And recognize his power is available to you. Utilize his promises that are there in his word and test the motives of your heart as you continue forward. Ask even the five whys to get down to it and allow God's power to meet you in those places. Amen, church? Amen. I'm going to pray for you today. Would you stand to your feet? Lord Jesus, we come before you, and we thank you, Lord God, for your word that's come forth, Lord God. We thank you today that you're speaking to us, Lord. I pray that you'd speak this word clearly and solidify in the heart of every person that's heard it, Lord God. Lord, help us not get so fixated on what's happening around us, Lord God, and in today, Lord God. Help us to always remember there's a bigger story that you're writing through our lives, and help us to make decisions today, decisions that will last for eternity, decisions to honor you. Lord God, decisions, Lord God, that will help write our story that you have for us. And so, Lord, I pray today, Lord God, that we would be able to recognize your power. Lord, I pray today that we would stand upon and utilize the promises of God in our lives and that, Lord, we test our motives before you. So, Lord God, give us the power to choose today, Lord God, who we will serve. For some today, there is a choice of life and death that stands in front of them. And today, Lord God, we choose to walk in the life that you have for us and to experience the fullness of it. So, Lord God, go with us now, I pray. Lord God, give us your grace, your power, and your spirit that's made us alive. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen, and amen, and amen. Praise God. If you need prayer, we're going to have our prayer team down here in the front. We're going to continue to worship the Lord together. But as you're leaving today, please pick up some of these cards and uh, make sure you're getting connected with everything that's going on out in the foyer. We can't wait to see you next Sunday as we continue our series. God bless. We hope you have been challenged and blessed by this message. For more information, visit us at evangelchurch.com.